What is up, everybody? It is your mystery-loving pothead hostess, Sky. And Miles. Thanks for waiting. Work sucks, but new episode. And it's October. Spooky season. Woo-woo. <laughs> um, so this week, we're going to be talking about Bella in the Witch Elm. Our cat's name is Bella. Yeah. Bella in the Witch's Elm. Yep. So, um, this one is actually in England. So this is an, this is not an American case. Okay. So, and it is during, um, and it is during 1943. Yeah. And it's during World War II. So right smack down in the middle of it all. So... We'll come back and talk about Bella and how she met her grisly end after we get done smoking. What are we smoking today, Miles? We're going to smoke some LSD, dude. LSD? Yeah. <laughs> not, not the drug LSD. Not the grape sorbet, but the uh, the LSD. It's a mix of what two different strands. I don't know what they are. It's like a hybrid. Oh, the grape sorbet is the other yeah, stuff yeah, that we yeah. had. We're going to smoke the uh, LSD. Yeah, so we that's, already smoked some of the grape sorbet earlier. Yeah, now the LSD <laughs> is two strains mixed together. All right, so you know the drill. We'll be back. Four Twenty Unsolved is an independent podcast. The opening and closing music is called "No Flower" by Gluten. If you like the show, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Four Twenty Unsolved. Please smoke responsibly. Damn. And we're back. All right. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm very high. Mm, it's okay. So, our who is Bella? Bella. Bella. Our when is April 1943, in the middle of World War II. All right. Yep. And our where is England, but more specifically near Birmingham, Hangley Woods, England. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, bud. Uh. So on Sunday morning of April 1943, four boys, Bob Hart, Tom Willits, Fred Payne, and Bob Farmer. <laughs> Bob Farmer? Bob Farmer. I love that name. His middle name should be the... <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Bob Farmer. All right. We're, <laughs> we're searching for animals in bird's nests, so in Hangley Woods. Um, they were poaching uh, to bring back food and animals back to their families because they weren't getting enough rations, things like that. Uh, so what they were doing was illegal. But they had good cause. Yeah. Okay. But, okay. So they're in Hangley Woods, and this was a private estate near uh, Birmingham in England. So Hangley Woods is this private area near Birmingham. Okay. And they found this old witch elm tree. And I hope I am saying that right. It's it? a witch elm. It's spelled W Y C H. 
Maybe not with so much emphasis on a T like a witch. Like yeah. a, or a witch. You know? Where's my phone? W-I-C-H? Yeah. Oh, there's literally a thing on YouTube called How to Pronounce Witch Helm. Witch Helm. Witch Helm. Witch Helm. Witch Helm. Witch Helm. Witch Helm, yeah. Yeah, Witch Helm. Okay. So, yeah. So, it's Witch Helm. So... They found this old witch elm tree, so, and it's just this giant, really creepy old looking tree. It's huge, lots of limbs, like, it's just really creepy looking. And so one of the boys, so 15-year-old Bob Farmer, good old Bob Farmer, climbed up this tree and found something. He looked down the trunk. Oh wow, look at some of these some of these drawings. I know, they're creepy. Oh my god. They're creepy. Holy fuck, that's gonna haunt my dreams I for weeks. Told you. God. Creepy. So so Bob climbed up this those that creepy ash tree. And he because he they, he was looking for a bird's nest. And he climbed up and he, he thought he saw something in the trunk of this tree because it was hollow. He found a hollow place, and he's like, oh, yeah, cool, bird's nest, and he he reached down, grabbed it, and pulled it out, and it was a human skull. God, that's fucking creepy. It's terrifying. So this skull had a clump of hair still attached to it, and it also had some flesh still hanging on it. Good gosh. Um, it had crooked teeth on its mouth. And all the boys looked at it, and they just decided to put it back in the tree trunk, and they left. They're like, nope, get in the fuck out of here. They all decided not to tell anybody about what they found because they were what they, they were poaching in this uh, forest, and what they were doing was illegal, and they thought they were getting It's kind of like what he was peeping on the girls in that one story. Yeah. On, um, the boy in the box. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So they were like, oh, we won't say anything about the skull, because we're gonna get in trouble, because we weren't supposed to be in the woods. So, however, one of the boys, Tom Willits, was just so upset by what he they these by what these boys found he when he got home he broke down and told his parents so they called the police and the police went out to the forest to the witch elm and what they found was just really bizarre so the investigation so the police found the skeleton of a young woman Minus one of her hands. I got a rumbling in my tummy is that only hands can satisfy. <laughs> oh, God. Carl! <laughs> they also found a piece of taffeta that was stuffed in the skull's mouth. What's that? <laughs> Good question. I had to look it up, too. So, um, so taffeta is a type of fine silk, um, but it all, could also be like a type of synthetic fabric with a crispy type 
texture. So it was just a type of fabric, basically, okay. that was like stuffed into her mouth. Um, so they, that's what they found in the skull's mouth when they looked at it. Uh, there were also scraps of cloth in the tree trunk and on the body. Um, there was a shoe found on the body, and then there was also a shoe found around the tree, like around the area outside of the tree. On her actual hand that was still attached to her, there was a imitation gold ring, size five and a half, found on her ring finger. So she was married. Yes, possibly. It says it was or an imitation. Engaged. Yeah, it says it Probably was an engaged in. Maybe, but it was anything. it was all gold. It wasn't like a diamond or anything. But it was fake gold. Mm, yeah. So it sounds like maybe an engagement ring. Maybe. Couldn't afford it. Like, the husband couldn't afford her. Maybe. Maybe he was, maybe she was dissatisfied that he couldn't afford something real we'll and he killed her. We'll see. You sorry. Him. I'm sorry. You know how I work, baby. You know I've got a, a very beautiful mind. <laughs> so, so, also, scattered around the tree, the police found, like, the bones of the woman's hand that was missing. Yeah. So, and... Were they separated? Were the bones separated from each other? Yeah, they were, like, scattered around. So he, like, boiled the flesh off of her bones and scattered them. Maybe he was doing some, like, witchcraft with the bones. I don't know. So the police were just really confused as to how this woman died. They couldn't understand how she ended up in the tree or what was up with this missing hand. They're just really, really confused. So they brought her body to a pathologist named James Webster, and he was able to review the body. He was able to conclude that she died 18 months prior to, yeah, to her being found. So... That roughly put it at October 1941. So he was able to also conclude that she was around 35 years old. So probably around 35, 40-ish, maybe. Uh, she had brown hair. He also concluded she was 5 feet tall, had very crooked teeth, was able to tell that because of the skull, and had given birth at least in the past so, at least given birth once in the past. Webster was unable to find any other injuries on this body of the woman and concluded that she had died from the cloth in her mouth. So, asphyxiation. So, she had been choked, basically, by this cloth. He believed that she had been placed in the tree trunk after she had died but it had to have been right after she died because of the rigor mortis process. And that if it had been hours later, her body would have been too stiff. So it had to have been right after she died when it would have been easier to have placed her. And then when the rigor mortis set in, that's how her body would have set just in the tree. So due to this pathologist's work, <clears throat> Webster, the police were able to create a detailed description of the woman, but nobody came forward to claim her body. And they went through every single missing person's report to determine if this woman was this missing person. That's wild. Yeah, but nobody came forward. The police also took dental records of the skull 
And they went and looked at almost all the dental records they could get a hold of to see if she matched anybody. Because her teeth were just so interesting because of how crooked they were. So they went to look to see if they could place them with anybody. And they still could not make a match. They went to surgeons, just regular dentists, and they just could not find a match to anybody in the city. Yeah. So by the time of Christmas 1943, so the same year, everybody was more focused on the war than this body in the tree. But that all changed when this graffiti started showing up. And this is where it's a little more interesting. So the first thing that started up was this graffiti that said, Who put Lubella down the witch elm? And then the next thing that showed up was Hagleywood Bella. And then the graffiti started to settle on saying, Who put Bella in the witch elm? And the graffiti appeared on just random walls all throughout the West Midlands of England in just random places, random walls, all of that. And all of the graffiti looked like it was written by the same person. It was the same handwriting. It's wild. Right? So from then on, people started referring to this body as Bella. And it was just weird because people were thinking, well, maybe someone knows who she is, but they're not coming forward. But no, but nobody knew who was doing this writing. Nobody knew who was doing the graffiti. And to this day, no one has any idea what the graffiti meant. So here's where some theories start getting thrown out here. Yeah. And some of them are a little whack. Just go ahead. Yeah. I'm ready to just all right, penetrate all right. right through the theoretic walls. Oh, okay. All right. Well, here comes the penetration. So the first one is some possible witches and magic are involved. This is true. Yeah. Are yeah. you thinking it? All right. So, so there's an anthropologist named Margaret Murray, and she suggested that Bella may have been killed in a possible occult ceremony which required the removal of one of Bella's hands which we like that would explain why her hand was removed and is huh scrying tools oh scrying maybe and so she, Margaret Murray explained that this is very typical in like a black magic um execution so and so according to Murray, the fact that Bella's hand was like severed from her arm and the bones were scattered or very similar to an occult, to an occult ceremony known as the Hand of Glory. So the Hand of Glory is basically where you take the right hand of a murderer and ideally you want to take it when they're hanging from the gallows. Or you can take it when it's during an eclipse. Yeah, so maybe even like, you, maybe they could even probably take in the hand at a different time, right? Because like, it doesn't say it has to be while they're standing. So if it's during an eclipse, presumably you could grave rob for mm. it. And like, they said she'd been in there for a while. So maybe they, and they don't know, maybe they could have came back and got the bones after. I don't know. 
You're right. I'm if there go. was an eclipse between that entire month and a half, or uh, year and a half, then why would they scatter the bones afterwards, though? I don't know. Maybe because, like, in all the hand glories we see, like, the on the internet, like, they're all like uh, whole hands and then preserved. Well, I don't know because. So, like, you know, maybe it's not even that because all the hands glory we've seen like are like very preserved. Well, that's what you do after you take the hand. You preserve it. You pickle it, basically. You yeah, pickle but there, it. But if the bones are there, and like, you know, they, you, presumably those bones would be different than the rest of the body if they had been. Oh, well, I guess that's true because they left the hand behind. They didn't take the hand with them. Exactly. So it wouldn't have been a hand of glory case. No, I see what you mean then. Yeah. So this anthropologist also concluded that this murder of Bella was also similar to another case that she saw that also that potentially also involved witchcraft and this was the murder of Charles Walton who was stabbed and pinned to the ground with his own pitchfork and this happened in a nearby village of Lower Quinton was his hand cut off no he was just pinned to the ground with his own pitchfork uh, how is it similar? I don't know. This Not is just, at all. This is just what this anthropologist decided. She is whack. I don't know. So, one of the developing theories that witchcraft was involved was that it was noted that this plant, belladonna, which is also known as deadly nightshade and witch hazel, are both widely associated with the occult and it's also just local legend. It's in Hangley Woods. So that the fact that Bella was entombed inside a tree. I mean, do we know her name is Bella other than that blue Bella? Because Bella is also like, in a lot of languages, like for beautiful. So Murray also stated that the fact that Bella was entombed inside of this tree rather than being buried in the ground indicated that it was a ritualistic slaying because according to Murray, this was an execution for a crime against a coven. So, and this was, this, this remains a favorite theory again, like for people out in the world that like, this is why she was entombed in this tree. And investigators just say that the reason why the bones were scattered around the tree is just because animals and predators got a hold of the hand and just scatter it around the tree, which I think sounds more realistic, honestly. Mm, I don't know. What do you think, then? I think that you might be right. You know, let's just go with your theory. Oh, okay. So, the next theory is the one that's a little bit more way out there, but I think it makes... I, th I don't know. I think it makes kind of more sense, really. I want to hear it. So, she could have been possibly a Nazi spy. What? Yeah! Okay, so, this wasn't until 1953. <laughs> when a journalist named Wilfer, uh, Wilfred Byford Jones started to write about Bella's case in the Wolverhampton Express and Star. So this is just like some newspaper 
thingy that interest kind of got re-sparked on this Bella and the Witch Elm case. Byford Jones was able to get his very first solid lead on this story in nearly a decade. He got a letter from a woman named Annie. And it was... So Annie offered a new lead on Bella. She came in and she... In this letter, she gave new details on what happened to Bella and who she was. So according to this letter... Bella had been murdered because of her involvement with a Nazi spy ring operating in the Midlands of England in the early 1940s. This spy theory seems a little bit more plausible than witchcraft, and hundreds of German spies were captured in the Britain War. And while looking up re research and locations on the Midlands, um, it would have been a little bit more of a valuable source of information where they were because of all the um, munition factories that were in the location of where um, Hadley Woods was located. And so and so the time in the time period actually I mean kind of fits like for Nazi spies. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna go I'm gonna explain the Nazi firing <laughs> operation. So, Wilfred Byford-Jones, he got this letter, right, from Anna. And it, it, it's, it was signed, Anna of Claverly, claiming that Bella had died after getting involved with this Nazi firing. And she stated in her letter, Finish your articles of the Witch Elm crime by all means. They are interesting to your readers, but you will never solve the crime. The one person who could give the answer is now beyond the jurisdiction of the earthly courts. The affair is closed and involves no witches, black magic, or moonlight rites. So Byford Jones was super intrigued. He was like, I gotta find out what she means. Like, let me find this woman. Let me, let me find her story. And so he started sending her letters, started getting letters back from her. Then Anna ended up turning into Una Musop. So she actually was not Anna from Claverly at all. She was Una Masop. And she told the actual true story to that she claimed, the true story that she claimed to to this reporter. So she claimed that Una's husband was um, this man Jack, and he worked at a local uh, munitions factory in the early 1940s. And he had came into some money after he met a mysterious Dutchman named Van Ralt. Um, so Jack later told Una that this Dutchman was actually a Nazi spy, <laughs> and that Jack had been passing him information um, about the local industry sites, um, which was then passed on to another agent that was posing as a cabaret performer at local theaters. So the Midlands um, had recently been bombarded by Luftwaffe. By Luft, Luftwaffe. I can't say that word. Luftwaffe? Is it Luftwaffe? There's Luftwaffe? No, there's no L. Luftwaffe? <laughs> How do you spell it? L-U-F-T By the Luft Raft in the early 40s Luft Waff Luft Waff 
by the Luftwaffe in the early 40s. And so such, yeah. and so information on these industry sites would be very good for the Nazis for like their raids and just to, for their strategies. And so this man was very much betraying his country with passing off this information. Una explained Jack met his contact at a pub very close to Hagley Wood. He was arguing with a Dutch woman. He did not, he didn't know this Dutch woman and his contact ordered Jack to drive them both out to Clint Hills. So he was ordered to drive this Dutch woman and his contact out to Clint Hills. However, this, the argument had grown very violent and Jack's contact strangled the woman in his car. And so Jack is watching him strangle this woman. Yeah. So fearing for his own life, Jack ended up helping him carry the body into Hagley Wood, where they buried it in a hollow tree trunk of an old elm tree. So here we have a woman being put in a tree trunk of an old elm tree. So... Una explained that her husband was apparently just so traumatized by this murder that he participated in that he had a nervous breakdown and had horrific visions of a woman's skull in a tree. And he ended up institutionalized in 1941. And she explained that he died later that year. So obviously this timeline just fits very well with the apparent death of Bella. You know? Yeah. And remember the pathologist said that it was estimated that her death was around 18 months prior to when her body was found. And that would have been around the middle-ish of 1941. Which is around all of this time. Yeah, towards the end of the war and stuff. Yep. So, I mean, it's, it's... Starting to look very similar, so. Yeah. So this information, what like when Bidford Jones got all this information, it was very convincing for the police and MI5. And according to Bidford Jones, they verified that some of these details that Una said were they were unable to find any of the remaining perpetrators, like. They were unable to find any of the people that she mentioned, like her husband or the Nazi spy that she said. So they were unable to confirm any of these people. Uh, yeah. Unfortunate. Mm -hmm. So with the involvement of the intelligence services, some people have speculated that they may have been... Kind of covered up. Yes. Exactly. Um, and... They may have been involved in like an investigation of like just the information of Bella. So just eight years after the war, details of spy rings may have still been classified. Um, the cover-up theory was also bolstered by the curious fact that Bella's remains have gone missing after she was really? found. Yep. So they were wondering if. 
like that, the, the whole thing was just a cover up in general and that she really was an actual Nazi spy. And that's why they were saying that they couldn't find this woman's husband or they couldn't find the Nazi spy that they are talking about. That sounds, this sounds like the for real most likely. Yeah, right? Yeah. So. FBI, FBI, open the fuck up. Yeah. So, but I mean, the story kind of faded into the background and everyone kind of just forgot about it. Until now. Well, <laughs> and, you know, an occasional piece of graffiti kind of just pops up every now and then. Um, and there was no leads um, for like another 15 years. And a book also came out by a historian named Donald McCormick. However, McCormick's book is called Murder by Richcraft. But here's the funny thing. it was It's, it's not about it being done by witchcraft at all. It's about the spy ring theory. Like, the whole thing's about the spy ring the theory. original clickbait. <laughs> and also, so the government, the government doesn't think it's... <laughs> like, it's, it's whatever. So McCormick had obtained the Epware files. I don't even know if I said that right. Whatever. But these are the records of the German military intelligence. And so, according to McCormick, there was a Nazi agent by the name Leher, Leher, Leher. La Huvio. It's L-E-H-R-E-R. Leher? Leher, yeah, it's okay. And he was operating in the Midlands in 1941, and he had a Dutch girlfriend living in Birmingham called Clarabella Broinkers. You know, for like a lot of this the whole time we were recording, I thought this was in the U.S. for some reason, even though you clearly stated that it was... In England? Yeah. And were you thinking Midlands was like Midwest? No, no, no. Now, after you said that, I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> but like 15 minutes ago, I thought we were talking about that. Mm. So, you know, Clarabella, Bella, you know, so... So, like Bella, Clarabella was also 30 years old during this time period. And this was Clarabella was who again? Um, Clarabella was the girlfriend of this Nazi agent, Lahir. So, this Nazi agent that possibly killed her, you know, all this stuff. And Clarabella also had very crooked teeth, like Bella. So, and really suggestive about this information is that a real spy was actually captured in 1942 and he was executed at Wadsworth prison on New Year's Eve that same year. And his name was Johannes Marnus Dronkers. So the same last name as this Dutch girl, Clarabella. So Clarabella, Clarabella Dronkers. Sister, or I mean brother. I don't know. I mean, maybe, but maybe that was actually her husband that was caught and murdered. You know, remember she was found with a wedding ring. Go on. I mean, she was found with a wedding ring. You know. Yeah. And if she was a foreigner in the country, it would explain why there was no trace of her. They couldn't find it. Like, when they tried to find her, but, like, find any trace of her at all. And they were trying to ID her. 
So. Fair enough. You know, or maybe Bella had grown loose-lipped and she possibly risked revealing who she was after her husband got caught. Man. You know, and they sent someone to kill her. So, in the later years, uh, declassified MI5 intelligence files gave some weight to the spy theory because these files revealed information about a German spy named Joseph Jacobs who was captured after breaking his ankle while parachuting in Cambridgeshire in 1941. And I'm sure I said that terribly. I apologize. <laughs> so after Jacob's arrest, he had a creased photograph of a woman, and he claimed it, this was a cabaret singer named Clara Barley, and this was found in his pocket. So Jacobs told his interrogators that Barley was his lover, and that the third that the Third Reich had recruited her as a spy. And according to Jacobs, Barley had parachuted into the West Midlands in 1941. So it was kind of theorized that Barley could have been the woman that Una Musop had mentioned. You know, the Clarabella woman. That was the this, this Dutch woman or whoever. So Joseph Jacobs was never able to actually shed any light, though, onto this because he was executed by a firing squad in August of 1941. But it was certain that Clara Barley could not have been Bella because Barley was too tall. She was 5'10", where Bella was only 5 feet. And in 2016, it was discovered that Clara Barley had actually died in a Berlin hospital in 1942. Oh, wow. So she was a real person. Which is cool, but we did find. But, yeah. So those are the crazy theories on that one. That's wild. Yeah, so it could have been witchcraft, maybe, possibly. I mean, they they do have some theories that putting a person in a tree trunk is a way to um, entrap, like, their energy and stuff. Really? You know, yeah, poss like, possibly, when I was looking into some of the research of it, yeah. And then... You know, kind of like we were talking about. I mean, it's it's a way to show, to do like an um, execution, like an execution, yeah. And I would like to show a way that you've done something against a coven. I don't yeah. know if the hand really, the hand part of it really has anything to do with it, but. And then there's the spy part. I really definitely think the spy part could actually have been true. I mean, yeah. you never know. It was World War Two. Some crazy shit happened a lot. I think it could have been true on this on the spy one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so that's Bella and the Witch Elm, and that's the other thing too. By the way, is that it sounds like Witch Elm. Get it? Witch Elm, witches, witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, that's this week's episode. Nazi spies, man. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about some weird stuff. Yeah, we do. <laughs> All right, so, well, thank you for listening this week. I hope you enjoyed the ride. 
with, you know, witchcraft and witches, execution, and Nazi spies. Um, be on the lookout for our next episode. I want you all to know that we appreciate you guys, so keep listening, stay cool, and remember to stay stony. Disclaimer to all those, we do live in a state where marijuana is both medically and recreationally legal. We do not endorse the underage use in recreational and medically legal states, and we do not endorse the illegal use in non-legal states. Smoke responsibly.